Welcome to Risho Kosekai International of North America. Following is a reading of the book Guide to the Threefold Lotus Sutra by Nikyo Niwano, founder of Risho Kosekai. Part 2 The Lotus Sutra of the Wondrous Dharma. Chapter 19 The Merits of the Teachers of the Dharma. Continuing the thread of thought of the preceding chapter, this chapter proceeds at once to deal with the merits of the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, and the mind that nay good man or woman will attain from any one of the five practices of the teachers of the law, receiving and keeping, reading, reciting, interpreting or explaining, and copying the sutra. With the beginning of the verse passage repeating the virtue that accrue from the eye of the earnest believer, it becomes clear that these five acts are acts of the teacher of the Lotus Sutra, and hence the title of the chapter. As each of these six senses or faculties is treated, the manner of the expression becomes so highly symbolic that the reader today may well get a very odd feeling so it is essential to get to the underlying truth that is expressed. In Buddhist doctrine, it is a matter of course that a change of heart results in a visible change in life. It is out of the question for the heart to change and life not to. It is certain to. The change in life that comes of a change of heart by faith is termed merit. Now merit is evident not only in the mind and heart, but also in physical and material life. Since man's mind, body, and material surroundings are all alike derived from a uniform emptiness, it is by no means odd, but perfectly reasonable, for the body and its material surroundings to change in consequence of change in the mind and heart. It is therefore neither reasonable nor scientific to affirm merit or merits of the mind and deny physical or material merits. We have seen great advances in medicine on this score. The latest psychic and somatic or psychosomatic medicine has found and demonstrated psychic activity to be the cause of many ills as varied as eye trouble, skin trouble, heart trouble, stomach trouble, high blood pressure, hives, morning sickness, abnormal menstruation, and other troubles that seem at first to have nothing to do with the mind. Accordingly, when the way of thinking is altered, the illness corrects itself, a clear indication that mind and body are not divisible. They are closely bound together and are not separate things. There is nothing odd about this. Again. There is nothing odd about a person who has through faith undergone a change of heart, a change in his or her way of thinking, having the blessings of money or other material things come his or her way. With a change in the bearing of the mind, an entire change in attitude towards work and life necessarily follows. An improvement and change for the better are natural consequences. Moreover, 
the entire atmosphere surrounding the individual filled with true Mahayana belief, awareness of being part of the eternal Buddha is different. For such an individual is bright, filled with confidence, and has a sense of positive dedication. In consequence, the people around such an individual see him or her in a different light. They are touched by a charm they cannot explain. They feel trust. Thus, it is that work goes well and material blessings naturally follow. More than this, as stated here and in the preceding chapter, the body and countenance also change. This is no more than to be expected, for mind and body are one. Now, while it is true that a noble, happy countenance and person are the expression of that person's virtue, they are more usually the outcome of previous generations over a long period of time. Lincoln's well-known remark had it that a man had to take responsibility for his own face after the age of 40. But the fact is that a man still has greater responsibility for the faces of his descendants. The merits described here are an expression of the results or consequences of Mahayana faith. And so when such consequences become manifest, one should take them as they come. There is no need whatever to hold the perverse notion that since faith is wholly a matter of the spirit, non-spiritual merits tarnish a spiritual life. What is tarnishing is faith that has as its object benefit in this life. More than tarnishing, it is wicked and conducive to non-retrogression. Faith should have as its object reconstruction of the mind and spirit, and if this is achieved, it is well then to accept without fuss any physical and material merits that may follow. Towards the end of the chapter, there is one sentence not to be overlooked. If they talk about secular texts, governance, means of livelihood, and so forth, all will be in accord with the true Dharma. They means a teacher of the text, and the statement means simply that such a person will spontaneously conform to the true Dharma when he teaches about daily life, when he discusses government, or when he gives directions in business. The true Dharma has very much to do with society at large, and this is by no means limited to individual spiritual concerns. And so, it lends true life to secular law. If this were not so, it would ultimately have no power to deliver all of mankind. We must mark this point well. End of Part 2 the Lotus Sutra of the Wondrous Dharma, Chapter 19, The Merits of the Teachers of the Dharma. Arkina offers classes on Buddhism, information on meditation, holds online gatherings, and practices chanting. Please visit our website at www.arkina.org for information on upcoming events.